Uh, please welcome J.T. Meyer as he uh, gives us this week's message. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Mr. Bill. Thank you, guys. Hey, did you guys have a good Easter? Awesome. Did the Easter Bunny visit all your homes? The Easter Bunny almost missed ours. You laugh. He had to stop by Meyer, pick up candy. I saw him there. Um, hey, so actually, I had a great Easter. I, I had just so much fun celebrating with you guys. Easter weekend is probably, probably my favorite weekend of the year. Um, I love Good Friday. I love remembering the cross, the sacrifice that, that Jesus made for us. I love that on the cross, Jesus conquered sin and death, and that his resurrection proved that it worked. I love it. I love Easter. It's, it's, it's my favorite. And it's awesome because it's the reason that we gather every weekend. It really is. I like you guys, but I also like brunch. And so I would maybe rather be at Bob Evans or something like that. But the reason we gather together, because Jesus is still alive. Amen? Jesus is still alive. He still conquered the grave. He is still, uh, there's not a tomb somewhere that holds his remains. He is alive and well. And so today I want to talk about a story that happened after the resurrection. We're calling this sermon After Easter. Um, And here's what I find interesting about after Easter, after the resurrection, is Jesus is risen And everything is different. Everything has changed, but so much still feels the same. Here's what I mean. The the followers of Jesus, they still wrestled with doubt. They still struggled. They still uh, uh, even dealt with disappointment, even in Jesus. They wanted Jesus to do things that he just wasn't going to do. They still suffered. They still dealt with insecurities. They sinned. They faced persecution. And ultimately, every one of his followers ended up dying. So Jesus is risen, and everything is different, but so much still feels the same. And I wonder how many of you feel that way this, this morning. Like you look at your life, and you thought things would be different. Maybe you, th- you thought you'd have a better job at this point, or you'd have more money and, and savings. Or you thought you'd have a spouse or, or, you th- or, or a family and, and children. Or you didn't think your marriage was going to be so difficult or maybe, maybe you, you, you've lost someone. And if you're a follower of Jesus, oftentimes these questions, these, these things, these things that rise up in us, uh, it's oftentimes even harder because we think about the promises of Jesus that, that he says he wants to give us an abundant life and that he wants to, to care for us and, and that he, he promises he has plans to, 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 to fulfill our lives and all of these things. And, and we wonder why then do I have chronic illness or chronic pain? Why? 
If there's resurrection power in the name of Jesus, then, then why am I depressed? You know, maybe you thought that you would come to know Jesus, that, that you would become a follower of Jesus, and, and things would be different. Things would feel better. You know, I thought I'd be doing more with my life. I thought I, thought I would be more successful at this point, but, but I still struggle with sin. I, you know, you still feel inadequate. You still wrestle with anxiety. And so maybe this week you're saying to yourself, Jesus is risen and everything is different, but things still kind of feel the same. And so today we're going to talk about a story that happened shortly after the resurrection, and it's a story about Peter and some of the disciples. And on the surface, it looks like it's a story about fishing. Are there any fishermen or fisherwomen in the... And all right, I, I say fisherwomen because in my family, my dad hates to fish, and my mom, like, we can't go on vacation unless there's a body of water around because she will be up at, like, 3 a.m. fishing. And so, like, we, we're a family that, except for my dad, that loves to fish. And this story that we're going to be looking about, it's about fishing, but it's about much more than that. It's a story about Peter feeling a lot of the things that we were talking about. And we can find this story in the Gospel of John. It's in chapter 21. So if you need a Bible, we have them around the room. But you can, you can open up to the Gospel of John. This is one of the accounts of the life of Jesus in the New Testament. But we'll have it up on the screens. But as you guys are finding that, I'm, I'm going to pray. So Jesus, we just say that you are alive. That you are the King. You conquered sin, you conquered the grave, and Lord, would you, would you help us to understand more of the implications of what that means in our lives, and help us tear down some of the beliefs that are not from you in our lives as well, Lord. We pray this in your name, amen. All right, so John chapter 21, uh, we're going to start in verse 2, and you can just follow along. This is Simon Peter and Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. By the way, if you're counting, that's seven of the twelve disciples. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. All right, let, let's stop. So the first thing that we, that we need to understand about this is these disciples, these seven disciples, what, what, what they were before they were disciples were actually fishermen. This was their livelihood. This is what they knew how to do. Actually, you can read about how Jesus called them from the shore after a night of fishing to come be disciples and leave what, what they knew, and to come follow him, and, and help him on his, on his uh, uh, mission. And so these disciples, they, fishing was not just a hobby, it was livelihood for them. And so Peter says to the other disciples, I'm going fishing. And, and honestly, that translation is really weak. Uh, what, what, it, what it means in the Greek was, was Peter was saying, um, essentially, I'm going back to fishing. 
I'm leaving the call. I'm leaving what Jesus called me to do, and I'm returning to fishing. And about half of the disciples said, well, we're going with you, Peter. And remember, this was after the resurrection. This is after the disciples watched Jesus being crucified and then rise from the dead where Thomas, one of the people they mentioned, actually put his hands in the wounds of Jesus where Jesus was, was doing these crazy things, like he was able to walk through walls and he was, he was you, know, you know, disappearing before their eyes. After the resurrection, the disciples said, we're going back to fishing. <laughs> How could this be? Like what would have caused them to say, you know what, I give up. I give up, I, I, I'm going back. Well, the text doesn't really specifically tell us. We can only speculate, but, but I, I wonder if it had to do with the fact that, you know, Peter, Peter was, he was like the lead disciple. He was, he was like Jesus' right-hand man, and he would have spent uh, every waking hour with Jesus. You know, if you were a disciple of a rabbi, they would, they would talk about how you should be covered in the dust of your rabbi, that you should, you should follow him everywhere he goes. And so Peter would have been right next to Jesus in everything. He would, have, he would have learned from him. He would have experienced, and Jesus would have considered Peter to be one of his closest friends. And when they would travel, when they would go into a new town, you know, Peter would be able to, you know, like watch Jesus do these amazing things and say, I'm with him. That's my, that's my guy. We're together. And I wonder how much of Peter's identity was formed in that, and that I'm with him. And then after the resurrection, we can see that Jesus was a lot more sporadic. Jesus wasn't around the disciples all the time anymore. And in fact, Jesus started to say things like, guys, I'm going to leave soon. I have to go. And I wonder how much of this for Peter was like, wait, no, 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 no. This is, this is not what, what I signed up for. I didn't want you to have to leave. And on top of that, I, I, I wonder how much disappointment there was that after the resurrection, so much of the surroundings were, were, were the same. They were still under, the Ro under Roman rule. And that was one of their biggest cries, like, Jesus, we want you to help deliver us from, from these awful Romans who are persecuting us. They were still facing, you know, persecution from the religious leaders, they were still struggling with doubts. They were still bickering with one another. They were still facing anxiety and, and loneliness and sickness. And maybe Peter thought, you know, I thought things would be different after the resurrection. I thought things would be different. See, I think, I think this has a lot to do why the, with why the disciples would have said, I, I we're done. This is not what we thought it was going to look like. And I imagine many of you have felt similar to this. I know I have. 
I have. I've, I've experienced these like spiritual highs. Maybe like I've gone to conferences and I've like really encountered God and, and had these moments where God felt so real to me and God, you know, spoke things to me. And I just thought, oh, things are going to be different in my life now. And then, you know, Monday morning comes along and I'm still struggling with the same thing I was struggling with before. I mean, honestly, this past Easter, this past weekend was, was a bit of that for me. You know, the 40 days of prayer and fasting, the Lenten season was really powerful for me this year. I really felt a, a, a real deep connection with Jesus. And, and then we gathered together and we were all worshiping together. And it was just, it was a really sweet moment to worship and celebrate with you guys. And, and I just felt so close to Jesus. And the reality that Jesus was alive was, was just really powerful to me. And, and as, you know, we were, we were leaving and many of you were going to spend times with your family and eat together. I was in my car on my way to the James to visit my mom who has terminal cancer. And I don't say this so you feel bad for me. I'm saying this to really just be honest with you guys, to say I was on this mountaintop feeling like Jesus is alive, everything is great, to the sobering reality of, oh, but my mom is in the hospital with terminal cancer. And for me, it felt like Jesus is alive, everything is different, but so much feels the same. Have you felt like that? And maybe for you, it's not facing something really difficult like that. Maybe for you, it's something like, you know, maybe you're in a stage of life where all you're doing is, is, is taking care of your kids. Maybe, maybe your kids are in the stage of life where it's just a lot of diaper changing and cleaning up spit up and, and that kind of stuff. And you just feel like, man, there's no adventure in my life. There's no fun. <laughs> there's no sleep. <laughs> and you're tired and you think, is this the abundant life that you promised, Jesus? Or maybe you, 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 in your career, you have the job that you wanted and you climbed that corporate ladder and you're doing really well and it just still doesn't feel like it's filling that need that you have. And you thought, I thought this was going to make me feel different. Or maybe you've lost the spark in your marriage Maybe, maybe, may, I don't know. There's all kinds of things where it just feels like, Jesus, is this how life is supposed to be? Is this it? And I think Peter and the disciples can relate to this. That they felt like things were going to be different and they're like, wait, this is, this is it? And not only that, but I think for Peter, it wasn't just feeling disappointed with what was going on, but... I think he felt personally like a failure. He felt inadequate. He felt like he disqualified himself from what Jesus was doing in the first place. See, right before Jesus was crucified, the night before, Jesus was gathered together with his closest friends. They had dinner together. We call it the Last Supper. We've seen the painting where, for some reason, they're all sitting on one side of a table. Um, and I often want to be like, you guys can spread out a little bit. There's more room. 
But Jesus, uh, he's talking to his followers and saying, hey, and he often told them, I'm, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And, and this time he, he also added the fact, you can, by the way, you can read this in Matthew 26, but he added to the fact that not only am I going to die, but you guys are all going to deny me. You guys are all going to scatter. And Peter's like, not me. I mean, they might. Those guys might, or actually, these guys might, but not me. I'm not going to. And Jesus is like, oh yeah? Actually, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. And Peter doubles down. Says, nope, not going to happen. In fact, they'll have to kill me if they're going to try to kill you. I'll follow you to the death, Jesus. And if you're familiar with the story, Jesus was right, like he always is. Peter denied him three times. And can you imagine how he must have felt? Ashamed, disappointed with himself, like just just a failure. Have you ever been there? Where you just feel like, man, I've blown it. I should, I should be beyond this by now. Guys, I often feel this way. Oftentimes I feel like, Jay, you're, you're, you're supposed to be a pastor. You're not good enough to be a pastor. Like maybe I'll lose my temper with my daughter or with my wife. And, and I'll just think, man, you're still struggling with these kinds of things. You should be better than that. Or I'll think, God must be so disappointed in me that, that I'm still doing the same thing, still falling into the same sin patterns or behaviors after how long have I been a Christian? And I often hear this, this from people, this, this idea that I'm not good enough, I'm not qualified, I'm, I'm too messed up, I'm not this, I'm not that. Like, man, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to go up and pray for someone on the weekend because, man, they'll probably just feel like, why is this guy praying for me? Or, or man, I don't want to go talk to my neighbor about Jesus because they, they know how messed up I am. Or I'm not, I'm not qualified to be a small group leader. I, man, I'm a, I'm a sinner. Or like, I don't want to be on the worship team. I'm too, I'm too messed up. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. Or I've disqualified myself because of this thing that I did or this thing that I can't get over in my life. And not only have I disqualified myself, but God has probably finished with me too. Peter still feels messed up. He still feels like, man, I've really let Jesus down and I'm disqualified. And so Jesus meets them, and, and uh, he, he, early in the morning, jumping back into the story, um, remember, they didn't catch any fish. They were fishing all night, and they caught nothing. And starting back in verse 4, it says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, 
haven't you any fish? Which, by the way, is a low blow. (laughs) Because it was Jesus who was probably like, you know, herding schools of fish all night. Like he knows they didn't catch anything. Friends, haven't you caught any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And again, they're probably like, what? Who is this guy? We've been fishing all night. We are fishermen. This is what we do for a living. Who is this guy saying to to throw it on the right side of the boat? Like that's going to make a difference. But it says when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And so I just, I've heard this story a number of times. And I've often heard this story like in a way that like, isn't it awesome how great of a fisherman Jesus was or how miraculous he was in, in catching fish. And, and, and it is a miracle. Jesus was amazing. I think that's a pretty cool story, but I don't think that's the point of the story. And I don't think what he was, that's what he's trying to communicate is that he's really good at knowing where fish are. What he's trying to communicate is this, is that Peter and the disciples, the reason that they said we're going back to fishing is it, it was because fishing is what they knew. Fishing was the thing that they thought, this is going to sustain me, this is going to give me life, this is going to give me identity, this other thing, uh, we've blown it, it's not what we expected, but this thing, this this, will provide some kind of livelihood and identity and hope and peace and security. We know fishing. We can do that. And what Jesus was trying to communicate to Peter and the disciples was, I need to be your provider. I need to be the place that you turn to in order to find identity, in order to find security, in order to find peace. See, they turned to what they knew fishing. And Jesus is saying, guys, don't, don't, when, when, when you're struggling, when you're, when you're, when you're facing these hard questions, when you're facing difficulties, don't run away to the things that you know, that the things that you think are going to bring you peace, the things that you think are going to bring you security. Run to me. I'm the one who provides. Don't think that that these things are going to give you fulfillment or contentment or joy or any of those things, guys, and it's true. It is so true. And for you, it's probably not turning to fishing. (laughs) Maybe for some of you, you might really love fishing, but for but 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 for, for, for many of us it's turning to something like career. We go to our career to find identity and we think this is the thing, like if I can just be successful, if I can be really good at my job, if I can get people to think that I'm really talented in this, then I'll have identity, then I'll mean something, then I'll matter, then I'll be okay. We turn to things like, you know, our family. We want them to to give us identity or security or or all these kinds of things. But Jesus is saying, listen, success and, and being good at something, that doesn't give you identity. It doesn't give you peace. It doesn't. He says, only I can give you that. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those other things are are temporary at best, and they're not bad. 
I'm not saying career or family or hobbies or anything are bad, but if we're turning to them to fulfill something inside of us, like, like identity and, and peace and hope and all those things, then we will be very disappointed because that's not what they were designed to do. Jesus says, you find those things in me. And, and let me just say, earthly success does not equal contentment or, or identity or, or anything like that. Let me, I lived in Los Angeles for a couple of years, and I had a lot of friends who were in the entertainment industry, and they had various, varying degrees of success. And I had one person that I knew who uh, will go nameless. Don't ask me who it is, because I won't tell you. But they were very successful, and you, you would for sure know who this person is. Um, they uh, had lots of fame, lots of money, a uh, beautiful mansion in the Hollywood Hills. He was doing the thing that he had dreamt of doing his whole life. He got to go to every cool party, every, everything that you, you could want. And he would tell you that he is miserable, that he was hopeless, that he didn't want to be alive. The success that he had didn't fill that thing that he thought it would. I remember watching an interview with Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, he's a Michigan guy. I'm not a big fan. Um, but uh, he's inarguably, if not the best quarterback of all time, definitely up there. Uh, he's got all the Super Bowl rings. He's, he's got records. He's married to a supermodel. He's wealthy. He's, he's doing all right. And I remember watching this interview with him, and this interviewer asked him, they said, hey, Tom, which one of your rings is your favorite? Which one of your Super Bowl rings is your favorite? Is it your first one, the one you always dreamed about getting, or is it the last one, the fresh one? And Tom Brady said, no, it's the next one. It's the next one. And the interviewer, just as a joke, said something like, it's never good enough for you, Tom, is it? And Tom Brady just had this moment of like real sincerity where he stopped and said, yeah, why is that? Why does it never seem like it's enough? And they moved on from the conversation, but that like stuck with me. I remember thinking like, that's the truth. That even for Tom Brady, it's, 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 he's got everything that we could want and it's not enough. That those things that we think are going to fulfill us, they won't because the only thing that can fulfill us is Jesus. And I remember, I'll tell you another story about this woman that I have the pleasure of meeting a few times now. She, she lives on the Amazon River and she... Uh, literally her prized possession is she has this big pot where all day she, she just cooks stew. She always does it with a huge smile on her face. And the reason she makes stew all day is because she wants to feed the surrounding communities. People know that they can stop by her house and get a nice warm meal because oftentimes they don't have any money to get food. And she freely feeds these people, tells them about Jesus. And let me just tell you, she's the happiest person I've ever seen. She's got nothing. She's oftentimes sick because the river water is so dirty. But she's the happiest person I've ever met. 
Or let me tell you about my mom who has, has gone through the gauntlet. She's had a heart. And, and man, honestly, I, I, I think even I don't know the half. A number of years ago, she got into a car accident that should have killed her. That she did damage to so much of her body that she had to relearn how to use her arms, relearn how to, to, to process things, and, and it should have killed her. And then, you know, in the middle of, of recouping from that, she's diagnosed with multiple myeloma. On top of that, over the past decade, she's, she's had to deal with her kids. And, and I'm sorry, Mom, if you're listening to this on the podcast. Um, but I mean, like, I like had totally walked away from Jesus, was just out living in L.A., doing whatever I wanted. And, and she was worried about me. And then on top of that, like, my brother was a heroin addict, had been arrested, was being, you know, basically a, a typical heroin addict. By the way, God totally delivered him from that. He's a, he's a missionary now. Um, my sister went through a, just a really nasty divorce. And, and so I watched my parents going through all of these things. And even this past weekend, visiting my mom in the hospital, I was visiting her to be like some comfort. I know my mom likes me. So I went to the hospital just to, you know, be there for her. And, and like literally the whole time, all she wanted to do is tell me how proud she is of me. Talk to me about Jesus. Talk to me about how she had the opportunity to talk to the nurses and some of the other patients about Jesus. And my mom is like, I, I, I have met like no people who are as content as my mom. And she'll tell you she can't find her identity in her career because she was forced to kind of leave her career. She can't find her identity and her peace and her health because that's been taken away from her. And she'll tell you the only place that she knows to find it is Jesus. The people who I've met who are the most content, who have the most life, are the ones who are fully submitted to Jesus and say, it doesn't matter if I have a lot or a little bit, I find my life in you. And so Jesus was saying to Peter, I am the one who will care for you. I am the one who will give you life. You're not going to find it in your, in your old job. And so let's keep on reading. So, so Jesus um, met them and, 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 and made fun of them for not catching any fish and then built a fire, made them breakfast. And, and then him and Peter had this really sweet moment that I want to read to you. In verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Basically saying, hey, remember when you said that they would deny me, but you want it? Do you, do you still think you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, and take care of my sheep. And the third time, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. So, so what was going on here? 
Like it feels like Jesus keeps on repeating himself, asking the same question over time. And, and I, I remember the first time I read this, it felt like, are you just trying to make him feel bad? Like, why, why do you keep on asking this? But that's not what was happening. See, what Jesus was doing with Peter was he was reestablishing Peter as, to the calling that he had on his life. He was reestablishing the call. See, remember, Peter denied Jesus and said, they may, they're going to de- deny you, but, but I won't. But Jesus is coming to Peter and saying, Peter, not only am I going to care for you, not only am I the place where you're going to find life, but I, I have a plan for you too. I have a job for you. I have, I have things for you to do. And it's not a coincidence that Jesus repeats this three times. It's not a coincidence that he says, do you love me? Then feed my sheep three times. So you remember Peter denied him three times. And I think Jesus was saying to Peter, every time that you deny me, I will still call you. Every time that you turn your back on me, I will be there waiting for you. If Peter would have denied Jesus a hundred times that night when, you know, people would come to him like, hey, do you know this guy? And Peter would be like, I don't know him. I don't know Jesus. He said, you know, basically, I think if Peter would have done that a hundred times, Jesus would have been like, I would have asked you this question a hundred times. I will keep on calling you to what I have for you, Peter. You can't blow it too much. You can't mess up too many times. You can't wander off too far. And do you know that that's true, guys? Jesus has a call on your life. Jesus has a plan for you. Jesus is, is, has big plans for you and has called you into something. And, and, and you may be saying, but you don't, I've blown it. I've messed up. Well, I know that. I know that you have because I have too. And Jesus says, my call for you is not void. It is still good. Every time that you mess up, I'll be right there to say, I still have the call for you. He's saying, Peter, I know you denied me, but feed my sheep. I have a call in your life. And the call on your life, it may look different. It may be different than what you thought it was going to be. It may, it may be not as exciting or not as whatever. It might be all kinds of things. And, and, and I really think Jesus was not only comforting Peter here and reestablishing him, saying, I, I love you. I have a plan for your life. But he was also challenging Peter. He's saying, Peter, do you want the comfort of what you know? Because I'll still love you. Or do you want the call on your life? Do you want the comfort or do you want the call? And I feel like Jesus is is asking us this. I remember when I first became a pastor in my early 20s, um, I was working at a, at a, a different vineyard church, and it was this thing where I felt like I was good at it. It was like one of the first things career wise that I started doing that I was like, wow, I'm good at this. And, I, and I'm not trying to, like, you know, blow my own horn or do anything like that. I just, like, I'm basically saying I wasn't very good at much. Um, but I, I started pastoring, and I remember I'd lead worship, and people would be like, oh man, Jay, when you, when you lead worship, I really. I feel the presence of God. 
And I would preach and people would be like, oh man, I love it when you preach. I really enjoy hearing you speak. And I would get together with people and they'd be like, oh, that was so helpful getting together with you. And I began to, to think, wow, I'm pretty good at this. And I, and, I, and I began to enjoy it more and more and just feel like this is what you made me for, God. And, and I began to enjoy the respect that I would get and the, the position that I, that I had. And one day, so I'm taking, making a long story short, I felt like Jesus said, I want you to leave the church that you're at and start working at Starbucks full time. And I was like, What? doesn't make sense. But I did it. And, you know, I went from a position where I, f- I felt like a lot of people respected me to, to a position where, where honestly, if it was a position where a lot of people looked down on me, which, which don't look down on people who are in positions like that. That's a huge lesson that, that has been in, in my life, being part of the service industry. But like, I just felt like people were like, I said two shots. I said no foam, and like, and and I, I was like, God, I was just in this position where people really cared about what I had to say, and and now I'm doing this. What are you What are you doing, God? Like, I know you've called me to be a pastor. I know it. I know it. It was like the only thing I was good at. I know you called me to be a pastor, and I felt like Jesus said, "Then pastor." And I was like, I'm trying. You're the one who made me stop. Now, you told me to go work at Starbucks. He said, pastor, the people at Starbucks. He said, JT, do you want the stage? Do you want the respect? Do you want the, the, you know, the, the position or do you want the call? It was challenging. I felt like God was dealing with pride in me and God was dealing with all these things. And, and I, don't, I, I think I don't totally understand all the things that God was doing, but, but it was God saying to me, JT, what do you want? Do you want a position of authority? Do you want all these things, the respect of people, or do you want what I have for you? And I had to say, I want what you have. I want what you have, even if I don't understand it. And I think for some of us, God is asking us that question. And, and listen, I'm not saying that, you know, position and, and money and, you know, respect or, or fame or any of those things are bad. I Hear me. I'm not saying that any of these things are bad. But if you think for a moment that that is the thing that's going to bring you life, then you're wrong. It's stepping into what Jesus has called you to do that's going to give you that sense of purpose. And I was finding my identity in what I did and not in the person of Jesus. And I was getting my identity from the congregation. Like, oh, you, did you guys like my sermon? Did you guys like it when I led that? And, and, and I just realized I cannot find my identity from people. I need to find my identity from Jesus. And so where are you finding your identity? Where are you going to find hope? Where are you going to find peace? Where are you going to find comfort? Jesus says, I need to be that. And so I, I want to end by just reading one more story. Um, that was a story just about 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead. 
Jesus had gathered his followers and he was preaching about the kingdom, which is every one of his sermons was about the kingdom. And he was talking about how the kingdom of God, is, and, and this sermon was really cool because he was talking about this thing that was about to happen called Pentecost. He was talking about the Holy Spirit was going to come and meet with them. So he said, guys, I want you to stay in Jerusalem together because I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to you. And the disciples got excited and said, oh, we know what's going to happen. Now, God, are you going to establish the kingdom of Israel now? You know, are you going to now get us out of this Roman rule and get all the power stuff that we've been waiting for? And Jesus says, no, no, it's not what I'm doing. And in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, what Jesus is saying is this is bigger than Israel, guys. This is bigger than Israel. This is bigger than Sunbury. This is bigger than Ohio. This is bigger than the vineyard. This is bigger than big walnut schools. This is bigger than your job. This is bigger I am on a worldwide rescuing reconciliation mission to bring the world back to myself. And I'm calling you guys to be a part of it. He's saying, I want you guys to go to Jerusalem. I want you guys to go to Judea. I want you guys to go to Samaria. I want you guys to go to the ends of the earth and be my witness. What is a witness? A witness is just someone who says, this is what happened. Jesus died and rose from the dead. Jesus is alive. And he says, tell people what I've taught you. Teach them how to pray for one another. Teach them how to care for one another. Teach them how to love one another. Be my witnesses. Tell them what I've told you. See, so he's saying, you guys get to be a part of this, the greatest story ever told. You guys get to be a part of this mission that's going to, it's the mission to save the world. The world is dying and it doesn't know it. And, and, and you guys hold the antidote. And the antidote is me. It's what I've done on the cross. We are carriers of the good news of Jesus Christ. We are carriers of the most beautiful message ever told. And see, the promise of the resurrection was not that everything was going to be better. The promise of the resurrection was like, now we're not going to have to struggle. In fact, it was kind of the opposite. The, the, the promise of the resurrection is game on. Now it's time for us to go and, and tell people about the good news of Jesus rising from the dead, that our sins are not being held against us anymore, that we can have a relationship with the Father, not just for eternity in heaven, but today. We get Jesus today. We get the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to you guys, not so that we can be a church that just worship it, worships and feels good and just loves each other. He says, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit because you're going to need him on the mission. You're going to need him when you go out and tell people about. You're going to need him when you encounter sick people and you need to pray for him. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. He says, I didn't rise from the dead so we can live these cushy, comfortable lives. I, I love this C.S. Lewis quote. C.S. Lewis says, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. 
I always knew a bottle of port would do that. He says, if you want religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. Listen, I think, I think we can find extreme comfort in, in knowing Jesus, but I don't think it's the way we think. The Bible often talks about if you, if you are trying to find life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, then you'll find it. The Bible talks about picking up our cross. The Bible talks about, you know, this mission that we're on and dying to ourselves and all these things that sound tough, but I believe 100% that when we do those things, that's where we find life. That's where we find the comfort of Jesus. That's why, where we find the hope, the joy, the peace, the identity. And I feel like when there's turmoil in my life, when I feel all of that tension, really, it's because when the hard things happen, even when the good things happen, my faith gets shaken and I forget where, I, where, I, where I'm supposed to find life. I forget. Jesus says, come to me, run to me when the hard things happen. Run to me when you lose your loved one. Run to me when you lose your job. Run to me when this just doesn't make sense. Run to me. I will give you life. And I'm not calling you to stay there. I'm calling you to go and tell the world where they can find life as well. Because I am the life, he says. He says, one day I'm going to make all things new. One day I'm going to wipe every tear. One day there will be no cancer. There will be no depression. There will be no anxiety. There will be no death or war or racism or sexism or, or whatever ism. There, it'll, all be, it'll all fade away because I'm going to establish my perfect kingdom here on earth. But until that day, I want you to tell as many people about who I am as you can. And I want you to take handfuls of that future reality and bring it today until I fully establish it here on earth. And so we have a mission. And I think that the call right now for all of us is, do we want the comfort? Do we want the comfortable life do we want to turn to, to things that make, make us feel comfortable in the moment or do we want the, the call of Jesus in our life? So why don't we stand? Jesus, we just say that you are alive. If you're new here, what we're, what we're doing now is we just want to respond to Jesus. We believe that Jesus sent his Holy Spirit, and that he's here with us, and that he wants to speak to us, and maybe he wants to heal, maybe he wants to do all kinds of things. And we just want to wait on him and see what he's planning on doing. So we respond to you, Holy Spirit. We respond to your invitation So um, I, I feel like there is a group of people here, maybe a number of you, who for one reason or another feel like that disqualified thing really resonated with you. And I think for some, it's because of bad decisions that you've made in the past, maybe ba bad decisions that you're currently making, but you feel incredibly disqualified. And Jesus wants to say this morning that you are not disqualified. And I think maybe, maybe some of you feel disqualified because I believe a church leader said that you were disqualified. And 
I feel like God, Jesus wants to speak over you that you are not disqualified. And that the call on your life is still good. It's not void. It might be different than what you thought it was, but he has a call on your life. And other people feel disqualified because they have stepped out and, and, and tried mission. They've tried ministry. They've tried to do the things of God and it just didn't work well. Or if you felt like it failed and, 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 and Jesus wants to say you're not a failure. It's not how I see you. That my call is still good for you. So if that is something that, you, that resonates with you, that you feel disqualified for one reason or another, I want to invite you to come forward and receive prayer. I also feel like there are a number of people who are just experiencing just that, that sobering reality of life. That you may have felt like you're on a mountaintop but now you're just, you're just running into hardships. And you're just like, this is, this is hard. This, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. And, and, and specifically, I felt like things with, with your kids. I felt like it was also with the loss, with, with losses. And it may have been a loss of a loved one or a loss of a dream or a loss of something. But I feel like the Lord wanted to bring comfort and say, I want to I bring you life today. And then finally, if you are dealing with any kind of sickness or pain or struggle in your life, we would be honored to just pray for you. And, and so if any of those things resonate with you, I just want to invite you forward as Michael leads us in one last song. And otherwise, I just invite you to, to sing along. But uh, just come forward and we, we'd love to pray for you. And, and just if guys can pray for guys and gals for, for gals. And just lay a hand on, the sh- on their shoulder and then invite the Holy Spirit.